My name is Melanie Borden, and welcome to the Make the Connection with Melanie Borden podcast. Today on Make the Connection with Melanie Borden, we're talking all about bringing value throughout your media and through your network with Perry Hedrick, founder of Crackle PR. You may have seen some of Perry's thought-provoking posts on LinkedIn. He is one of the most progressive voices of PR on the platform, if not the voice of PR in 2022. Perry and I are going to talk through his journey to creating his voice online, specifically on the LinkedIn platform, strategies and tips for you and your business to do the same, and some key takeaways for the audience to step into their own voice by providing value throughout their media. Today we have Harry Hedrick, who is the founder of Crackle PR. Harry, thank you for joining me today. Yeah, it's a pleasure to finally connect. We've been in each other's circles for a long while, and so it's good to be able to sit down virtually with you. Absolutely. And I know I just told you this before. I mean, I follow you on LinkedIn. I love your content. It is so good. That's super kind of you to say. And likewise, I am a fan of yours. That's how we uh, we got together in the first place. Yes, absolutely. And when I think of certain leaders that are on LinkedIn, if I think specifically with PR, you definitely come to mind. Then I think my work is done here. All right, the interview's over. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the idea, right? I, I, I mean, I think when you talk about the universe that is LinkedIn right now and, and the model that I'm using, and I think you're using to a large extent, what we're really talking about is trying to create demand. And in, in our case, it's demand for our own products and services, but really it's even a step deeper than that. It's demand for the thought leadership that we're bringing and our philosophical approach to whatever it may be, right? So in my case, I want people to think that PR is synonymous with what they see and read when they come to my page on LinkedIn. So in that sense, I'm delighted to hear you say that because that's precisely what I'm going for. How did you get into even posting on LinkedIn? When did that journey start for you? Yeah, so I'll give you a super quick background. I've spent 22 years building a couple of the largest privately held technology PR agencies in the country. And when the pandemic struck, I think like a lot of people, I was staring at the wall, trapped in my house, thinking like, what in the hell are we going to do with our lives? And I had two young boys, 11 and 12. And I was just thinking, you know, if I was ever going to hang my own shingle, now would be the time because everybody is kind of thinking about reinventing themselves anyway. And I could make an agency that was really predicated on what I've always wished they could be, which is working with companies that are doing something demonstrably positive in the world, right? So it doesn't necessarily mean curing cancer. It doesn't mean saving lives necessarily, although it could. But for me, it just means working with people that are good people and companies that are not contributing to the array of problems, but rather to the array of opportunities and solving them. So that was the genesis for for me getting involved. And around that time, which is about 18 months ago, I began posting every day on LinkedIn because I thought, hey, I have a, a pretty decent following. I might as well just like be consistent here and let people know every day that I am here and I have a new agency and I'm ready to roll. Yeah, absolutely. What inspires you on a regular basis? Because I see your content and I, a lot of the times think, wow, his perspective is so interesting. And it feels like a lot of your content comes from your real life experiences out there working in the fields with your agency. Yeah, I think that's right. I think I'm a little unique in the sense that in my field, it's kind of verboten to talk about how the sausage is made, you know? 
Like everybody tries to be a good soldier and not complain too much or not sort of reveal the dirty laundry. And I think why I've kind of gotten a little bit of an audience is that I kind of flipped that model on its head. Again, especially because of that pandemic, I just completely reordered my approach to life. And, and that from this moment moving forward, I said, as I was starting this, like, I'm just going to be transparent as hell. I'm going to be honest as hell. I'm going to throw it all out there. And there's going to be a certain section of people that are going to love it. And there's probably going to be a bunch that are going to hate it. And the people that hate it, that's fine. We don't need to work together. But the people that appreciate unvarnished counsel and transparency are the ones that I want to work with anyway. So I'm just going for it. One of the aspects that I love about the things that you talk about is you talk a lot about some of the PR myths and you debunk them in your content. Can you talk to me a little bit about that? Because I find it to be very interesting, especially going through your comments and reading them. Yeah, well, I mean, I think the biggest one and the biggest misconception is that people, even really smart executives who are paying us, you know, 25000 a month, think that they're paying us for access to reporters that we alone kind of can shepherd them to. We're almost like this mafia arrangement. Give us the cash and we'll hook you up with Bruno and he'll write a story about you. Right. Um, but it really isn't like that at all. I mean, and to that point, like anybody, you can, I can, anyone can buy a database of those exact same reporters with the exact same contact info. The difference is what you do with it. And, you know, I've put my 10,000 plus hours in figuring out ways that I can satisfy the needs of the journalists and their audiences. And so I'm pretty good at that. And my team is good at that. The layman isn't, and they're going to fall all over themselves making a lot of mistakes. So you're not paying us for the access. You're paying us for the finesse with how you handle those contacts and how you can shepherd and broker those conversations. Yeah. What's the one thing about LinkedIn that you didn't expect would happen that would impact your business? It's really simple. Compounding interest. It's very much like an investment. I'm not a big finance guy, but what I do know is that the investments I've made over time in 401ks and these other sort of investment vehicles, they have compounded over time. So the earlier you get involved, the more dividends it pays down the road. And it's exactly the same with with LinkedIn and the algorithm they have here. So if you're consistent and you come back again and again and offer good value and good insights over and over, that cascading effect is just, it's just mind blowing to the point where I see your content, Melanie, and every time you put a post out there, you're like crushing it and I'm doing okay too. Like by the end of this year, I'm on track to have something like 25 million with an M views of my content. All I'm doing is just talking about my industry. It's crazy. Now, what would you need to spend on ads to get that same amount of visibility? Right. Right. So true. Do you use Shield Analytics? Sure do. And I'm a big fan and proponent of Andreas and Pragya and all those guys. Yeah. Their platform is unbelievable. I've been using it probably around the same amount of time that you've been using it too. Like since I started really becoming active on LinkedIn and 2020. And I recently started using it for my clients too. And it is spectacular. Yeah. Well, so I have so much I could talk about with, uh, with shield. So one of the things that I think is, is the most interesting and helpful is that you can go back and see with granularity, which of your posts perform best and when, and so if you're not reusing some of your content and repurposing that, then you're making a huge strategic error. So I posted recently that not repurposing your content is like buying a kick-ass outfit and only wearing it once and then throwing it in the trash. <laughs> Why would you do that, right? You don't want to wear it every day, but occasionally you'll pull that bad boy out of the closet. And that's the same approach with the content on LinkedIn. And Shield is really good at helping with that. And the other thing that is really good that I think a lot of executive teams um, need to do is gamify their C-suite so that they are all sort of competing in a friendly way to see who gets more engagement on the dashboard you can use at Shield. 
So imagine if all these B2B companies and B2C companies and car companies, their C-suite said, you know, there's five of us and we're going to dedicate a whole lot of time to go out there and posting regularly, sharing our knowledge, offering value. And at the end of the quarter, we're going to see who had the most engagement, who had the most likes, who had the most retweets, all of that. I'll tell you, it's a hell of a lot more fun when you're out there with a gang of people like working on a common goal than just freelancing by yourself. So I just think that there are so many companies that are leaving a hell of a lot of engagement on the table because they think LinkedIn just isn't worth it. That's such a great point. I love that you use the gamify aspect to it because I sometimes feel like LinkedIn or any social platform, that algorithm and trying yeah. to find a way to really interact with it and court it, so to speak, where it, it does have a gaming aspect to it because each time you post, you want to see how those posts perform and what you could be doing differently and what times you could be posting and how much engagement you're getting with the post, all those different factors. I think of it a little bit like a musician or an artist or whatever. You're always trying to tap into that sort of zeitgeist. Like what are the people caring about today? And like, what can get them excited and motivated? And people are out there on LinkedIn, the, the, the gurus talking about, well, don't try to game the algorithm. Just that bullshit. You, <laughs> yeah, want, it. you want to get that thing fired up for you because if you do, that means a hell of a lot more people are going to see what you're talking about. And, and so I get it. It's like, it's like, oh, we're so humble and we're not doing it for the, the eyeballs. Well, I politely disagree. And I just think that's part of it. That dopamine rush is fun. I'm there for it. Yeah, I am too. And I do agree with you where the more visibility that you get, the more people are seeing your post, the more people be more inclined to want to be with, work with you in that moment, right message, right time. A hundred percent. And there's like really a business reason behind that excitement for me anyway. So the things I'm saying, I'm trying to add value. I'm not just trying to boost the algorithm. I'm trying to add value in doing that. The algorithm goes crazy. Then that's awesome. The reason why I'm doing this whole thing, Melanie, is that it's flipping the model that I've used my whole life on its head. So I told you about a couple of different agencies for years and we'd spend our time cold calling people and emailing people and like trying to get people interested in what we're doing. Yes, we do SEO and we do newsletters and we do all these sort of components of marketing. But what I'm doing now and what I think people like you are doing now is that we're flipping that model by just creating demand. So because we've ungated our brain and we're out there all the time, people contact us. And when they do, they're already 70% of the way toward closing that deal because they think they already know you. They know how you think. They know your ethos. And so it really is like a formality, the conversation that you have. And so that's the big reason. I'm 70% of the way of closing a deal by the time a CMO reaches out to me. And we're not doing these big presentations and dog and pony shows and flying across the country and all of the like shenanigans of yesteryear because the demand has been built on LinkedIn. It's so true. No, it's so true. And what you're saying is so accurate too. And I think once more people start posting and they start really understanding that when they act as the authority in their industry and they post, you become it just by putting yourself out there. And yeah. I think there's a big mental switch that has to happen between not posting and then posting for the first time and then just staying consistent with it. Yeah, I think there's a big fear, majority of folks, there's a fear of maybe not sounding smart, maybe no one will like it, maybe I won't get a ton of views. And that's totally understandable. We're all human. No one wants to be ignored or feel worthless, I guess. But I think the thing that most people fail to realize is 810 million LinkedIn users, I guarantee, even if you are the quietest church mouse in the most niche little industry, you have an audience on LinkedIn if you just post. And that's the thing that's just difficult is taking that first step for a lot of people. Why did you choose LinkedIn as the platform 
of choice versus another platform. For example, you mentioned earlier journalists within PR, where a lot of the journalists live on Twitter. Yep. So why did you choose that? Yeah. So I think there's a a few reasons. One, I've been aware of LinkedIn since the earliest days of the company. I actually pitched LinkedIn uh, for their PR business twice, sat down with Reid Hoffman, who created LinkedIn when I was in Silicon Valley. I lost both times. We came in second place, didn't win, but I've been aware of the company since the very early days, back when it was more of like a Rolodex, you know, it was more like, here's my list of contacts, but I've kept my eye on it over time. And what I've come to realize, and especially when I started my own agency was that that Rolodex thing was like a distant part of the past. And now now, what was unique about it was that unlike Twitter, unlike TikTok and most of these other platforms, you know who these people are, their title is there, they're tied to their company, so their reputation is on the line. So every interaction that you're having with these people has got to be above board. It can't be scurrilous or cheap shots or any of the like nonsense you'll encounter on some of these other sites. And there's none of that like, well, there's a lot less of the untoward behavior, like all the flirting crap and like all the stuff that all the other places are about. And so it just seemed like a really good place, especially considering that I was connected to thousands of PR people because I need PR people to work for me and thousands of marketers because I need marketers to hire me. That this (laughs) was like the perfect like melting pot of where I ought to be. Yeah, no, it's where your audience is. That's it. It's your audience. also on Twitter, but just not in a perfectly concentrated, vetted way like LinkedIn. Right. And you stated it perfectly too. You can see who they are. You see who they're connected to. You see their history. You can really make estimations on how much they earn as well, if they can afford you or what they might necessarily be in the market for. You can do research on their company. And the troll piece, I think is a lot more team, like you were saying on LinkedIn versus some of the other platforms where they're just ruthless. Yeah, it's so true. And like I'm on Twitter, but I feel like I'm there primarily because there are so many journalists there. So I'm I'm there to sip from the news fire hose and get the news before everybody else because the journalists are like posting it in real time. And I'm a news junkie and I'm a guy who's connected to the journalism world. I was a former reporter. So for me, I just want to know what the hell is happening as quickly as I can from people I trust in the journalism sphere. And it's a variety of people from a variety of publications. So I feel like I have a good cross section of like what's real and what's not. So that's why I use Twitter primarily. So what do you think PR is going to look like in the coming years in 2023, 2024? Yeah, that's a great question. I think that I'm uh, one of a small handful of PR agencies that are already doing it the way it's going to be done uh, in 23, 2024. I'll give you an example. So when PR was in, you know, the 20, 2005, 2010, like the playbook was really simple, right? So a client comes to you and they say, hey, we, we uh, made a feature change or we just have a new partnership or we just got some funding. And so what you would do is you would find the 200 reporters that might care about that and you would pitch all of them with the same basic pitch, just like change the name up top. And some percentage of those people are gonna write about it. So you take those articles, you count up all the impressions, you report that back to the client. You say, we did a good job. You got any more news? And like, that was the playbook. That was almost the whole playbook. Obviously there are other things like awards and, and crap like that. But when it comes to media relations, that was the playbook. Today, your audience is yes, mainstream media, but it's also podcasts, it's also Substack, it's also um, Slack channels, it's Discord, it's Twitter, it's tick, it's everywhere. So you have to really figure out what your approach is across all of these platforms and then reach those audiences in authentic value added ways 
So you're really doing a lot of spade work in a lot of different places and personalizing your outreach across that whole spectrum. Whereas again, back in the day, it was more of that fire hose across these reporters. Some group was going to take that and, and run with it. Today, it's a lot more a lot more effort. It's a lot more sophistication required, a lot more empathy for all of those audiences who can smell bullshit a mile away. <laughs> and it's really about just, I don't want to say infiltrate, but like ingratiate yourself to these audiences and become one of them because you're there to like share your brain, offer value, and hopefully help people along the way. That's the difference. I love it. It's great advice. What would be your final parting words of advice to someone who's looking to take the leap into promoting themselves on LinkedIn? Yeah. Well, I asked, I was asked a question that was similar and it was, what is the um, advice you would give somebody who wants to start doing PR before they have the budget to spend on PR? And the answer is what you just asked, which is what do you do on LinkedIn? Because that's my answer is yeah. you don't have the budget or the backing or the, or the staff or the bandwidth. Start on LinkedIn by just thinking about the five or 10 things that you're really, really knowledgeable about within one little umbrella. So if it, in my case, it's PR, but I'm also smart about social media. I'm also smart about content. So like, I know there's a handful of things that are all related. And I just think, what can I share that I actually know, but maybe some people could find value in. And if you just start posting with a little bit of frequency and a little bit of courage, you'll be stunned at what will happen in terms of your engagement numbers and the eyeballs. Because what a lot of people don't realize is that, yes, you might not have a ton of likes, but if you look at the views, that's a whole different ball of wax. And people don't often post, don't even know that. But like a piece of content that has two likes and maybe one share can have 550 views or 2000 views. And that's who you really should be writing for is everybody that's not engaging because it's a much bigger audience than those who are. So that's my advice to start small, think about what you know, and just share drips and drabs of that by adding value and not overly promoting yourself. Phenomenal advice. <laughs> it's Thank really you. good advice. If someone wanted to get a hold of you, what's the best way to reach you? Uh, probably on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm there pretty regularly. And uh, my name is Perry Hedrick. And uh, my website also is Crackle PR. So go there and reach me if you want to go there or Twitter at, at P Hedrick. Awesome. Thank you so much, Perry. What an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for listening today to Make the Connection with Melanie Borden. If you felt that this episode helped you and or your business, please go ahead and write me a review so I can continue to bring you the best content possible. By the way, if we are not connected yet on LinkedIn, let's connect. You can find me at www.linkedin.com forward slash in forward slash Melanie Borden.